have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of First Peter chapter 2. We are in a sermon series called Exiles and Aliens, living out our hope in a world that is not our home. And uh, today uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the first 12 verses from uh, chapter 2 of First Peter. You see, as we've been going through First Peter, uh, this book was written by Peter. That's why it's called First Peter, okay? And he's writing it to Christians that were scattered throughout modern-day Turkey, and he addresses them. He, he addresses them as exiles and aliens, as strangers in this world. Well, one of the main themes of this book is how then shall we live? Our citizenship is not here on this earth, in this world. It's in heaven. How then shall we live? Because when we were saved, uh, Jesus didn't just take us home right then, right? We didn't accept Christ and then get taken home to heaven, to our inheritance, to this glory that will last forever. I, I don't know about you, but when we were singing that song, Behold Our God, I love that song. It's a rich song. And I love to close my eyes and just try to imagine what it's like in God's presence. And, and I'm sure my imagination pales in comparison, but our inheritance is to be with him forever. And, you know, really, it would be an awesome thing just and go there, right? That's what Paul said. I'd rather go there. I'm ready. But I, I know God has me here because he has fruitful labor for me. And so when Jesus prayed for his disciples, uh, he didn't say, uh, Father, he said this, Father, they're not of this world just like I'm not of this world. Okay, he did say that. But he didn't say, so take them out of the world. That's not what he said. He said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm asking that you would protect them. Because you see... The kingdom is coming. That inheritance that we talked about a couple weeks ago is reserved in heaven for us. It's protected. It can't perish. It can't spoil. It can't fade. It's reserved in heaven for us who believe and we're protected so that we will receive that even though right now we go through hard times and trials and our faith is purified through those things and we have joy because we know what's coming even though we live here and we have a role to play here. Right? What do the disciples say in Acts? Is it time? Is it time for the inheritance to be here, to set up your kingdom here? And he says, it's not for you to know the dates and the hours, the time and the dates, no. But you will receive power by my Holy Spirit, okay? Which if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. We have the power. And you will be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what we're supposed to be about. To be representatives to the world. That's what it means to live out our hope in a world that's not our home. That's what he's called us to do and to be. So this is what Peter is saying. One of the main themes, how then shall we live? Another main theme that we're going to hit a little bit today, but we'll see it uh, more in the future, is the idea of suffering. Jesus suffered. He suffered unjustly. He's the ultimate example of someone suffering unjustly. And Peter says, look, if he suffered in that way, you shouldn't be surprised if you suffer unjustly. Now, he says, now that doesn't mean you go do stuff in order to like, well, I'm going to suffer for Jesus, so I'm going to go break the law or do this. No, he says, look, if you suffer because you did something wrong, what good is that to you? But if you suffer because you're living for Christ, and you live in a world that's not your home, and their values are not your values, you are imitating Christ in that. So don't be caught unaware of what you're going through. Know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are experiencing the same type of things. That's what Peter is all about. So let's go ahead, and we're going to read through the, the first part of first peter chapter two just to kind of get the big picture and then we'll zoom in on some of the different things because today we're talking about the reality that we as the church 
Remember, we're in the church building, right? We're in a church building. But y'all are the church. We're the church. The called out people of God on mission for him. That's what it means to be the church. And so Peter is saying that as a church, we're like these living stones built together. So what are we as the people of God? What are we supposed to be about? That's what today is all about. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. The precious value is then for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumbled because they're disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. But, y'all, okay, that, that word, in, see, in English, in the north here at least, right, we just have you, right, you. And that can mean like you, Hadassah, you, just you, okay, you. But it can also mean you all, right? In Greek, there's two different words, okay? There's a word that means you, like just one you, okay? Well, you. And there's a word that means y'all, okay? So in the, in the King James, you'd get like ye, right? Ye, okay? So that's why sometimes I say y'all, okay? I'm not from the South, okay? I'm not, but this, it's Greek, okay? Y'all are a chosen race. Y'all are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That word literally means a peculiar people. We'll get into that later. My dad always loved preaching that. You're a peculiar people. You're a little bit weird, okay? Why? So that, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved. This is where we get Peter. Remember Peter's history? Like bold, brash Peter, right? Like sometimes he got it really right. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says, you're right. And it wasn't man that told you this. God revealed it to you. Almost the next, the next verse, Jesus is like, the Son of Man is going to suffer and die. And Peter takes him aside and rebukes Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Can you imagine that? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You got it wrong. That's never happening to you. That was Peter. He rebuked Jesus. And so Jesus goes from, you're right, Simon. I'm this, I, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And, and, and that's, that was revealed to you by God to get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man, okay? When Peter was young, he was bold and brash. But he also is the one who denied Jesus three times, right? One of the times when he denied Jesus, he's confronted by a servant girl. Now, back in that time period, this servant girl is going to be on like the lowest of low rungs, accusing Peter. You know what? Back in the day, a woman's testimony was not accepted in the court of law. And she's accusing Peter. That accusation in that time period should have nothing against him. But he's so afraid that he's scared of that. I don't even know the man. And we see here, this is near the end of his life. 
Jesus reinstated him. Three times he said, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep. Repeats it, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Take care of my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. And Peter became this pillar in the Christian movement. And here he's near the end of his life. And here is it. We talk about Jesus as a cornerstone. We're all these cornerstones. And this, I want you to just get his heart. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. That's where it comes from. Exiles and aliens. To abstain from the fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. He understands that battle. He's an old man. He understands that, that struggle against the flesh that we have. And he says, look, as aliens and strangers abstain from it, that wage war, why is some of that? He says, keep your behavior among the Gentiles. Keep it excellent among the Gentiles. Why? So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, part of living in this world, but not of it, God wants us to shine our light before the world, to let him shine his light in and through us, that people will see our good deeds and glorify him on the day he comes and visit. You see, we could read through a lot of these letters in the New Testament. They talk about, here's your identity because Jesus has saved you and you put your faith in him. Now here is how you are to live, not to get the salvation, not to get this identity, but because you have it. Now you live it out. Because you have that power and you're going to fail and you're going to mess up, but get back up again and keep going. That's a way you glorify God. And as we live our faith out in front of a watching world, they see that there's something different. And one day they will glorify God. And Lord willing, it will be here on this earth before they've passed away that they say, you are Christ, you are Lord. And we pray for that. But there is a day coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess no matter how much they've rejected him here. And on that day, they will be forced to give glory. And Lord, may, that, may there be so many people that do that before it's too late. So this is what Peter is saying. Like the, the end goal of this, so to speak, is to live out our lives in front of a watching world. Why? So that God is glorified, so that people can know him. Because you know what? You may be uh, the only Bible somebody reads. You may be the only Bible they read. Now, hopefully... They see that. They become a Christian. They start to read God's word. But you get it? You may be the only scripture that they read as they see Jesus in you and in me. And so this is, this is important for us to live out our faith. So let's go back and let's unpack this uh, a little bit more. So going back uh, to verses 1 through 3. We talked a little bit about these last week, okay? So therefore, okay, what's, why is the therefore therefore? You've heard that a lot of times, right? Therefore, well, why? Why, Pastor Jason? Everything in chapter 1. Because we have this, this living hope. We have this mercy from God. We have an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us. Because we have a new birth that isn't something that was there because we've been purchased by gold or silver. But we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That that's how much you were worth to Jesus. You were worth to God. The blood of his own son. And because you have that, and it's based on the enduring word of God, because you have that salvation, put off the old. That's basically what it's saying, right? Put aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Put that off and put on the new. And how do you do that? Right? Long for the pure milk of the world's word. Sorry, not the world. Long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. 
if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord or since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So he says, look, because you have this inheritance, because you have this salvation, work to put off the old, to put on the new, get in God's word and ask God to give you a desire for his word that's as intense and as needed as a newborn is for his mother's milk. That's what he's saying. Babies eat all the time. They need that to live. We need God's word to live and thrive and grow. We need to be in it. We need to have it here and here because we're not always going to be in it physically, but we can be reminded of the words of God that help us grow because we have tasted of the kindness and the goodness of the Lord. Now, moving more into the bulk of of the sermon today, what we are looking at today is what is God's people supposed to be about? We're looking at what does it mean for us to be those living stones built together? And this is what he says first in verse 4. And coming to him, to Jesus, as a living stone. Here's the first, first thing for us to get at today. We grow in our faith as we get in God's word and God's word gets in us. The other way that we grow is by coming to him. And this word coming to him is not like I came to Jesus, I got saved, I came to him. It is a continually coming to him. It is a relationship with Jesus. And we grow deeper in that through his word, through prayer, through spending time with him. And so Peter is saying, look, if you want to live out your hope and your faith in front of a watching world, you put off the old, you put on the new, and you take time to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you see, Christianity is not a religion. Okay? Religions are about what do I have to do to be good in God's eyes, or the God, or the God's. What do I have to do to appease all these spirits? No. Reaching, striving. Christianity is God becoming man and reaching down to save us. Washing our sin away so that we can be adopted into his family. We can be a friend of God. We can have a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. So do the things that help you grow in that relationship. Continually coming to him because he is the living stone. Now what does that mean? He's the living stone. He is a firm foundation. Because now it's going to unpack a little bit. So we come to Jesus, but who is he? One of the other things about being the church is that we keep the center thing, the center thing. And that's what this is all about. So we come to Jesus, which he's been rejected by men, but he is choice. That means he's been selected. He's precious in the sight of God. And then Peter quotes some scripture. He's quotes some scripture from Isaiah and from Psalms. He says, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone. Same word. One that's been chosen. A precious one. One that has honor. It's dear to me. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. That when we put our faith in Jesus, that word means we will not be put to like deceptive shame. We put our hope in Jesus, we're not going to be deceived and then be ashamed because of what we did. We're not going to be disappointed. That doesn't mean we won't face disappointments in life, right? But it means that we put our faith in Jesus, that inheritance is going to be there. We're not going to be disappointed. We're not putting our hope in something that is not certain and secure. So we come to Jesus, who's this living stone, this this cornerstone. And this is what he says. This stone has precious value then. It's for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone and a stone of a stumbling block and a rock of offense. They stumbled because they were disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. So what do we learn kind of from this part about the living stone? Jesus and him crucified, him risen from the dead, that is the crux of Christianity. 
That is the absolute foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation of everything. And it's not just this like dry, dusty stone. Like there's life in him. There's life in Jesus. And here's the thing we also see. So we need to be all about Christ and him crucified, okay? The other thing we also see is there's a distinction. In the Bible, there's a distinction. There's a distinction between those who believe and those who don't believe. Or between those who obey and those who disobey. Between the people of God and the people of the world. Because he says, look, this stone is precious to you who believe, who've been persuaded that Jesus is the Savior. But those that look at it and they do the opposite of believe, they don't believe, they're not persuaded, they've rejected this stone even though it's a cornerstone. And now this stone that's a cornerstone is something that they trip over. It's a rock of offense. It's a stone that that falls on them and they're crushed. And then he says they stumble because they were disobedient. Now the interesting thing is that word for disbelieve and disobedient, it's the same word. They were disobedient because they didn't believe. And so in scripture we do, there is a distinction, there's a divide. There's another verse that kind of makes this clear. uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 14 through 17. He says this, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So he says, look, when we walk around, when we live in the world but not of it, we're the fragrance of Christ to everybody, to those who are saved and those who are not being saved. Same fragrance. But there's a distinction in how it's experienced, right? Because this is what he says. To one, it's an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. So he says, look, there's a distinction. As we live out our life, we're the aroma of Christ that is like life from the dead to those that believe. But we're the aroma of Christ that it's like from death to death to those that don't believe. There's a distinction. There just is. In the, in the book of, of Exodus, when the plagues are coming, Pharaoh is not going to submit to God. And so God is showing him, you're not in charge. You're not God. Your gods are nothing. I am God. And God says, I'm going to make a distinction between your people and my people. And it's all dark where the Egyptians live, and it's bright where the people of God live. There is a distinction between those who believe and those who don't believe. And so Peter is saying, if you have accepted Christ, that is your foundation. And as the church, as the people of God, we need to make Christ and him crucified the center point, the foundation of everything that we do, because that is what Christianity is all about. So the people of God, what are we to be about? We are to be people that are in God's word. We are to be people that are continually coming to Christ, building a relationship with him. We are to be people that keep the center thing, the center thing, Christ and him crucified. We're going to have an opportunity to celebrate that at the end of service when we take communion together today. That we remember Jesus Christ dying for our sins and raising from the dead. Let's continue on in 1 Peter chapter 2. He moves from... Here's your foundation of Jesus to then talking with us about how we're kind of like Jesus, how our identity is attached to Jesus, okay? So you're coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but it's choice and precious in the sight of God. And then he says, y'all also are living stones. 
Jesus is the living stone, the cornerstone, and y'all as a people of God are living stones. You're being built up together. That's the church. There's an interdependence. If you have one stone sitting out somewhere, what do you have? A stone. That's it. When you have a bunch of stones fitted together, you can have a building, right? That's what it says. We're being built up as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. There's an interdependence of the body of Christ. We need one another. We need one another's encouragement. We need one another's fellowship. We need one another's exhortation. We need one another. We take care of each other. We're a family together here at Skiff Lake Bible Church and the whole church around the world. We care for one another. We pray for one another. Now, why are we being built up in this way? It says this, to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God. Like, that's why we're built up. Now, I have a question for you. What are those spiritual sacrifices? Anybody have any ideas? What do you think would be some of those spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God? Anything? Participation. What do you think? All right, using your talents for unto the Lord. Good, that's a good answer. Any other ones? Forgiving people. Yeah, reflecting. That's what God said, right? Forgive, love one another, forgive each other just as God in Christ forgave you. Yeah. What other things are spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God? Serving and meeting needs. Good. Well, charity. Yeah, loving and meeting needs. Yeah. And here's the thing. We're going to look at some scripture. We're going to see some places in the scripture where it talks about actions or attitudes we have being sacrifices. Okay. But here's the thing in blue. Through Jesus Christ. It's not our own power. It's not our own strength. We don't get glorified in it. It's not about puffing ourselves up. It's we offer these sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Here's what some of them are. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, in view of 11 chapters of the awesome gospel of Jesus Christ, okay, that's a summary, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. We give them everything that we have. Everything to him. This is our spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So one of the sacrifices we give is, I'm yours. I'm yours. In view of your mercy, I'm yours. What's another one that we have? Hebrews chapter 13. Through him, through Jesus, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. When we worship God in singing, that's a sacrifice of praise. Okay? And that's what he says. The fruit of our lips. They give thanks to his name. When we actually, with our mouth, sing praises to God. Like we actually out loud. Or we thank him. That's an acceptable sacrifice. And then, it's not just our words. It says, and do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So our worship our praise, our thanksgiving, our doing good, our sharing, our giving. Those are some of the acceptable sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. He's talking again about our worship. Let's give God worship from the heart. God is a spirit. He's seeking people. I will worship him in spirit and in truth with reverence and awe because he's a consuming fire. So the actual worship we give is a sacrifice. Revelation chapter 8 verse 4. 
And the smoke of incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. This is one of many verses that talks about our prayers being like incense going up. In the Old Testament, that's part of how they worship. They would burn the incense and it go up to God. Our prayers can be part of that acceptable sacrifice worship to God. Philippians chapter 4. Paul is talking about a gift that he has received from the Philippians. And this is what he says. I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will meet, will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. When we give monetarily to God for his glory, that is an acceptable sacrifice. A couple more verses to look at. Philippians chapter 2, okay? Uh, let's focus in on that verse 17. Paul says this, Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all in our ministry and our service. Paul is saying, I am becoming like this drink offering poured out. That's like my sacrifice to God, using the ministry and the gifts and the talents God has given me. That's part of our acceptable sacrifice. Two more, okay? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Walk in love to one another, just like Christ. It mirrors his sacrifice. Because it's not just love like I love you. It's love like I, I, I want to sacrifice for you. Self-sacrificial love. Last one. This kind of sums it up. What's there in the green? Whatever you do. Whatever you do, whether word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Our whole life can be a life of worship, an acceptable sacrifice. We looked at some of those specific things. Giving of our time, of our talents, serving, loving, praying, singing, thinking. That's what God has called. He's building us up so that we can do that through Jesus. So as God's people, Christ is a foundation. We're built up together. We need one another. We've got to grow more and more as a family. We're going to get into that a little bit later because he says, look, you've been saved. You love one another. Grow in your love for each other, okay? And we seek to, as we're built together, we're this spiritual house, we're this royal priesthood. Jesus is our mediator. We don't need the sacrificial system. We don't need priests. We can go to God just ourselves through Jesus, and we can take one another to God with us. And let's seek to live a life of worship in all these different ways. That's what the people of God are to be about. Let's go ahead and turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2, and let's get a little bit more about the people of God. This, these two verses... 9 and 10 are all about our identity. Because he just went through, remember that distinction. Jesus is precious to those who are believing, but to those who are not, he's like a stone that's been rejected but has become the cornerstone. But he says, but y'all, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people of God's own possession. You're a peculiar people. You're a set-apart people. Here's why this is so important. Listen to this. These people that Peter is writing to, more than likely, are Gentile Christians. Okay? These words he's showing up there, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people of God's own possession, those, are, those directly come from the Old Testament. 
he's kind of reflecting what, P, what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. The wall that has divided Jew from Gentile has been torn down because Jesus has died for everybody. And now all who have faith are welcomed in. So look, as a Gentile who was on the outside looking in, that distinction was made. God's people, not God's people. You, you weren't God's people, right? That's what it says in, in verse 10. But now you're the people of God. You didn't have mercy, but now you have mercy. You are invited in to be the people of God. And that is very, very good news for Gentile Christians like me and probably like most of us here, right? That we are welcomed in to be the people of God. We're, we're in this, the age, like the, the time of the age of the church, the parenthesis of the church, that we are God's called out people. So that's our identity. I, I took out the middle verse and I'm not going to leave it out. But I took it out because I wanted us to focus on the identity and then it has what we're supposed to do sandwiched in between. Why are we a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to God? We're his own possession. Why are we a people that we weren't a people, but now we're a people? We didn't have mercy, but now we have mercy. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That we may have our life be about declaring, proclaiming, speaking out, living out the excellencies, the goodness, the virtue of God. Every good thing he's ever done, who he is, that he's called us out of darkness, out of the world, into marvelous light. That he is the one that has qualified you and me to be in his kingdom. And oh, how we need that. Because I can't be in his kingdom, right, on my own. I'm not good enough. But Jesus has rescued us out of the world and he's qualified us to be his people, to be in his kingdom. So what is our life to be about? Just like it says in Acts, you will be my witnesses. A witness speaks to what they have seen and experienced. And they live it out. An ambassador is a representative of somebody else. That person is kind of living through them, so to speak. A missionary is somebody that is going out to the mission field to know the people and to bring the good news. And you don't have to go all the way around the world. You can, but you could just go next door, right? That's what we're called to do and to be. That's why the pe- we're the people of God. That's why we're built together. We're offering these sacrifices to God. This is who we are, and this is what he says. Declare to the world, proclaim the world, the excellent excellencies of me who's called you from darkness into light so how do we do this we've talked a little bit about this before go ahead in your bulletin probably in the back of your bulletin there's a half sheet that says the pdas of sharing our faith okay i I changed it up here a little bit the pdas of proclaiming god's excellencies okay we um we talked about these before okay but we're gonna we're gonna bring them up okay uh so pdas okay uh so uh and, and i'm not talking about your you know your uh, what is, you know, PDA, I don't even know what that stands for. What is it? Personal, I don't know what that is. PDA is public display of affection, okay? That's what this is a play off of. Because we want to publicly display God's love and affection to people, right? So how do we do that? The things from uh, this handout, okay, it, it's more in-depth than we're covering today. This is from a book, not the PDAs. I made that up, maybe, I don't know. Um, but the content underneath each of them is from a book called Organic Outreach, Sharing Good News Naturally, okay, by Kevin G. Harney. Um, and it was really cool how some of the things that he would give, suggestions, how we declare our faith, lined up with the acronym of PDAs, okay? Because we can remember that. So number one, how do we do this? By 
praying. And on that handout, there's seven different prayers that are, that are found in this book. We're not going to go through every one of them, okay? Um, but there, these are different options that you can do to be praying that God would use you to share him with somebody else. Okay, one of the ones I want to um, call attention to is number two, the triple five prayers. Who are three people that you know that don't know Jesus that you can say, I'm going to pray for each of them for one minute, five days a week. And there's some suggestions there of things that you can be praying for them, that their hearts are softened, that God will reveal to them his goodness and his grace, that God will show them the sin in their life. And that God will use you to be an example to them in how you live and give you an opportunity to share your faith with them. Okay? Prayer is a powerful thing. Okay? Uh, we can also be praying for workers. God, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Raise up people that will be missionaries and ambassadors and witnesses. And God, use me. I need your help. Those are some things that we can be doing. Uh, the D is displaying. So we want to be praying. God, will you give opportunities? God, will you work in this? God, will you thwart what Satan's trying to do? Will you work in the heart of these people? Will you grow your spirit in them? Will you give me opportunities? And then displaying. We seek to live our faith, live out our faith in our character and our deeds. We're not going to be perfect in it. But we just seek to let God shine through us wherever we go, no matter what we're doing. And the joy that we have when we play soccer. I love playing soccer. Okay? I love doing that. Okay, I love introducing myself to the, the center defender that I'm going to try to score on. Just, hey, I'm Jason. And we laugh and we joke because it's fun, but I'm going to try to beat him. Okay, yeah, I am. But that's a way that I, we don't always talk about Jesus, but I hope that when people play against me, they realize that guy's a little different. And not that he's weird, but he plays hard and he has fun. And he doesn't get all uptight and serious about everything. He can enjoy it. That's kind of cool. So those are things that we can do. We seek to display who God is. This can come out in sacrificial living. It can come out in our Christian joy and hope. God, will you give us joy and hope in the midst of the crazy messed up world we live in, right? The world is messed up, okay? Gas is like almost $5 a gallon, okay? Every time we put money, uh, you know, put gas in the tank, it's like, man, that's a lot of money. Food's more expensive. All this, you know, it's hard, right? Our foundation's not here. God, help us to live differently. Why? Because we have an inheritance. So we want to be praying, we want to be displaying, and then we want to be being available. And that's when, if we never spend time with people who don't know Jesus, how will we ever be able to tell them about Jesus, right? If we only spend time together, which is good, we should, right? Fellowship, family. But if we only do that, if we're not around people that are not Christians, how can we be a missionary, right? So here's some opportunities. One, come with me. Come walk with me. Like you're going to the store. You're doing a hardware project. and you're, So you're going to Ace Hardware or somewhere like that. They didn't pay me to say that. I just said it, okay? Invite somebody along. What are you already doing that you can just have somebody join you, okay? Uh, hosting Matthew parties. That's where, like, you invite your friends, like your church friends and your other friends, and you just invite them all together to hang out. And, and hopefully it's an opportunity for you and your church friends to display Jesus in the midst, okay? Peter, I mean, uh, Matthew, tax collector, right? Hated, right? Most people hated tax collectors. Jesus is like, follow me. And he's like, okay. He invited Jesus over for dinner. And guess who he invited? All of his tax collector friends, right? Tax collectors and sinners and Jesus and his disciples. That's a Matthew party, okay? 
learning together. Maybe you have somebody that they really want to they really want to explore uh, what does God's word say about this situation? How yeah, dig into God's word, dig into things, learn together. You can provide Christian resources, okay? Serving others, that can be a great way to be available. The last one, number 7, the 30-second rule. This is just like different times in the day. Maybe you're walking into work or you're coming home or you're going to the grocery store, something. And you just take 30 seconds to just, okay, God, what do you want me to be aware of? Who do you want me to love? How can you imitate yourself through me now? Basically, that's it. And, and there's some different ways you can word it there. But just, okay, God, how do I be intentional here? How are you working and moving? How can I join you? So we want to be praying, displaying, being available. And the last one is sharing, okay? Because... Um, What's the, you know, there's a quote that's attributed to like somebody like, preach at all time, if necessary, use words, right? We've all probably heard that. Here's the thing. There always will be a time where it's necessary to use words, okay? It's not all the time, okay? Yes, we display it. But there's a time where we, gotta, we share. We share what God has done in our life. We share our testimony. And I don't just mean how you came to know Jesus, but how is God helping you now in this hard time of your life? So on here, we're not going to go through it all. I'll make sure that we post this online and we can email this out um, uh, to those of you that get the online bulletin. But like, just questions to ask that can help bring you into deeper conversations. What joys are you experiencing in your life? What are some hard things you're going through? And just listening. Maybe you have an opportunity just to ask them, like, what's your personal history when it comes to God or faith in God or the Bible? And then you just listen. You hear their story. You listen. And maybe there's a time for you to share a little bit about this or that, but, but it's building relationships, and it's being somebody that they know that they can, they can trust. And then there's some truck size openings that, that Kevin Harney writes in his book. Like somebody's like, hey, what'd you do last weekend? Talk about something that happened at church, right? You did that this weekend, so they asked you. So that means I need to be intentional that something that goes on here is something worth sharing, right, with your friends, but yeah, what'd you do on the weekend? Give them the rundown of the weekend and tell them something that happened at church. Man, it was so good to connect at fellowship time with some of the other Christians in my life. I just needed that. Great, do that. There's some other examples there. And then uh, uh, finally, the, the sharing the gospel. There's a lot of different ways to be able to share uh, the gospel. Okay, In the italics there, that's, that's kind of a basic bare bones. Here's the gospel. God loves us. Our sin gets in the way. God made a way for our sin to be forgiven because Jesus died in our place. And when we put our faith in him, he, he saves us, he forgives us, and we have new life. And there's ways for us to, to share that with people. Because guess what, church? We're built together. We're built together to be a spiritual house on the foundation of Jesus. We're built together so that we may be a priesthood offering acceptable sacrifices. We have this new identity that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness and into light. That's what it means to be the people of God. So hopefully these are some tools that we can be more intentional. And I'm preaching to myself because I want to grow in this. I want to grow in this. Because there's people that I know that need Jesus. There's people that you know that need Jesus. So God, will you help us to live this out? We help us to be a praying, displaying, being available, sharing church. Amen. Our worship team is, is, is going to come on up here and 
we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to have communion. Okay, so if you if you didn't get a a little uh, prepackaged individual communion, uh, there's some out there. We can have our, our ushers come on up and bring you some. So if you didn't get one, go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll have some of our ushers bring them in. Um, when we celebrate communion, we celebrate and remember that Jesus is the foundation, right? Because he died in our place. He rose from the dead. And in him, and only in him, is there salvation. And so we're going to celebrate that in, in just a little bit. But before we do that, we're going, to, we're going to have a prayer, and we're going to have a song. Because here's a challenge for us. God has called us to be his people. Built on the foundation built together that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness in the light. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I, I, I love the challenge you give us in your word. God, I love the confidence that you give us in your word. I love... Jesus, you came and you died for us. And that's all we need. God, we put our faith in you to save us, and we thank you for the inheritance that is there waiting for us. We thank you for your spirit now that walks with us, and I thank you for the calling that we have received to be missionaries, ambassadors, and witnesses. And God, I ask and I pray that you will help us to walk in that. God, help us to be a, a praying, displaying, and being available, sharing church when it comes to the good news. God, I pray for those that are in our minds and our hearts now that we know, need to know you as Savior. God, will you open doors? Will you thwart what Satan wants to do? Will you remind blinders? Will you remove blinders so that people can see their need of you, to see you as the sufficient Savior, and to want you? And God, find us faithful. Give us opportunities. Give us faith and boldness to walk in that, Lord God. And so just right now, just take a minute. Think of at least one person that you can be, you can just say a short prayer now that God will work in their life and he would give you opportunities to be the gospel to them and to share the gospel with them. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know you never will ever be able to be good enough to make it to heaven. You can't. I can't. And God knows that. So he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. And when he died on the cross, he took away your sin. He, he, it's like he put your sin on him like it was his. And he died for it. When he rose from the dead, it was gone. And if you simply look at him, look up at him, and realize that you need a Savior and that He He is that Savior. That's called faith when you realize that. And if you look to Him and say, in your heart you believe, Jesus saved me, I need you, I trust you. You don't have to have all the answers, you don't have to know everything. If you know your need and you know Jesus is enough, He responds to that faith. And if that's you today, I invite you to just tell Him. Talk to me, because I want to know. I want to walk alongside you. God, we love you and we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.